0: Cleveland sports show starts now. Booyah. Boy.
2: Hey! We're six days and counting from Super Bowl 58. Yeah. We haven't even really talked about it yet yeah. because we were so busy last week with Cavs and Brown stuff yeah, that we never got to it. But welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. No bull today. G Bush, Earl of the Pearl, Jay Crawford behind the glass. Mikey McNuggets. hey Mike, what's up, guys? Good weekend. Yeah, I guess, should we just get right into it, G? I was telling him.
0: Beforehand. Yeah, man, this,
2: this guy's weird. He told me a
3: story. You got to hear. Let's hear it. I haven't heard it yet. So I was actually in your neck of the woods on Saturday, Jay. It was over in Chagrin. Oh, yes. Chagrin. Okay. Over in Chagrin. All right. And I got off the highway and I was like, "Ooh, if we make a left, we're at Jay's house." But I went right. Went to a horse barn, whatever the horse <laughs> barn over in Chagrin is.
2: <laughs> Look, yeah, I don't know. Even he don't know about it. I don't know where that is. <laughs> so, is it a? Like, you it's, want horseback riding? No, well, yeah,
3: not me. I don't – the whole story is how I hate horses. I put shorts oh. up, by the way. If you go on our YouTube channel, go to the shorts. I put two shorts <laughs> up from the barn. How can you uh, hate Ms. horses? Miss Nuggets' little cousin yeah. rides horses. Oh. And she was in a horse competition Inchigrin jumping falls. thing. Intrigrent Falls. Wow, I so didn't being even know a that good, had such a being a good family member, being a good boyfriend, we went over to support my right. little cousin, Kenzie, who got reserve good. champion, which I think is second place. So shout out, Kenzie. But, wow, congrats. Yeah, big big deal. And this deal. like they're jumping over things and stuff like yeah, that. barefoot three foot, and and four foot jumps, and she's eight huh? or nine. So like that's a lot of horses. She's to only control. like two and a half, three feet tall. So like jumping yeah. over her, essentially, it's pretty I, cool. That's but I hate horses. Why? When I was eleven or twelve, my grandpa's seventy fifth birthday, we went on a trail ride on horses up in upstate New York, and everyone got horse. these big majestic horses. Except me. I got this little, dinky, polka dot, black and white horse that they hadn't eaten in 30 years. Miniature pony. Named Vladimir. Which should have been the first red flag. Think of all these cool horses. My dad had Applejacks, And my brother had Superior.
2: Good Lord, you remember I the names after all these years. I'll show you. Really I should have put it in the tag board, the board. I had Vladimir. the hell out there. of you. He so,
3: to counseling
0: for this. We're on this little <laughs> trail ride,
3: right? And we're going through whatever woods are in upstate New York. And Vladimir starts sniffing my dad's horse, which was in front of me. <laughs> sniffing his butt.
2: Oh, and, lovely. like, getting
3: real personal. So my dad's horse kicks, Vladimir. Oh. Tries to kick. So little 11-year-old McNuggets is watching giant Applejacks kick my horse.
2: Oh, now it turns into a mini rodeo.
3: Now my horse goes running down to the river and starts scratching <laughs> his butt. All I'm doing is hanging on for dear life. I don't know what to do. I've never been on a horse before. Oh, I wish there was video. starts scratching his butt on trees. It starts licking from the river, <laughs> drinking from over the over. river. So the lady who's leading the trail ride is like, kick it. It'll get back in line. Mind you, this Did is you? just sit on a horse and it rides you're supposed to do nothing right nice. so i kick it vladimir takes off in front of the pack just running wild i'm hanging on literally for dear life the God, lady I had to come up video. and come chase me like chase my horse down and she, so she peels so
2: off and she's in full tr- she's in full like, full throttle <sighs> full
3: uh, gallop like yeah what she's doing trying to get my horse so eventually they catch up. They bring me back. I had to sit in this
1: <laughs> dungy,
3: little, stinky, smelly barn until everyone else finished the ride because they had no more horses. So yeah, no. I, I hate horses. It literally was dramatic. I was 12, 11. I forget how it was, but it was my grandpa's 75th birthday. I was 11 or 12. Wow. Dramatic. It's the first time I've seen a horse in person since then. Since then? Oh, well, like, I've seen like the cops on horses, but like the yeah. first time, me versus one on one.
2: Did you get counseling? He needed it. He,
3: I, he still needs it. If that. you go and watch the the. Uh, shorts on YouTube on our channel, like you could legitimately
1: see the fear in my eyes. He gave new it, men to the term "down by the river." <laughs> hey, tell you, hey, listen, I, 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 so I, I don't like horses. Yeah. It was terrifying. Holy shout cow! Out, shout
3: out to yeah. you.
0: I'm never getting on. Listen, I'm not here. Here, I'm, I'm petrified of certain things. Uh, you don't horse ride either. No, then you're not about to Christopher Reeve me. That's not gonna happen as you, brother. Christopher Reeve. No, no, I'm Reeve. not doing that. And uh, I, I don't ride four wheelers either. Really? Ever since I heard about, you know, Rodney Rogers got paralyzed doing a, on four wheelers. Right, right, right. Them thing, people, See, people. This is the problem. <clears throat> when you're a culture, black person, right, and you grow up around white people, white people make you believe that you intrinsically are born with these skill sets. So they just jump in the pool you'd be like, Oh, this, we should be able to jump in the pool. We didn't know nothing about no swimming lesson. Yeah, I did that normal. Yeah, drowned. It almost drowned. I almost drowned. How hard can it be? Four wheelers? What you mean? The throttle was on the handles. we good. This is like a, this, is like a, a a big wheel. No, it's not. It's not.
2: It's not. We but the learning don't. curve is dramatic. I mean, if you spend 20 seconds on a three wheeler, four wheeler. Mm-hmm. You pick it up right away because it's not like you're shifting like a motorcycle. That's the danger. That's got clutch and, and shift skills. That's
0: the dangerous part, Jay.
2: But the four wheeler, it's like the jet ski. You just hit
0: it. Hey, see, that's the that's the problem. You start feeling too good. <laughs> start wanting to do tricks. Don't be all standing up
1: doing tricks. See, that, I, that ain't me. No, I do all that. I'm just I'm not bungee jumping. I'm not I'm not. Oh, you guys are. You guys not, aren't living. I'm not doing. That. I've done both. They're the. It's
2: the. It's the biggest rush you can get on the planet. You're cheating death. Earl grew up in the hood.
0: He cheats death every day. <laughs> <laughs> I congratulate him. I text him, Earl. You good? Congratulations, brother. <laughs> you made it to tomorrow. You made it another day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, man. I, you know what? It might become my life's mission to get you cats to jump out of an airplane. Oh, please.
1: I'll do it. Now I'll do it. I do want to take a lap around like Talladega or Daytona. I've I, done that too. That's that a blast.
2: I do want to do. it. We need skydiving. Skydiving is something that's accessible to everybody. It's not that big a deal. It really isn't. And when you're done, the first thing you say when you hit the ground, let's go back up. I'm going to do it again. It's unbelievable. Both parts of it. The part where you're falling 120 miles an hour and it feels like you're in a wind tunnel, uh, that's unbelievable because you're just watching the ground get closer and closer. And then you pull the chute and you hear nothing. You hear nothing, but you can see everything. I feel it's
0: a weight limit on that. And I'm over the weight limit. <laughs> <laughs> My whole backpack just come off. Like. <laughs> he's, trying, <laughs> he's trying to get out of it. No, he's man,
2: I'm, I, I'm not Listen, good on the weight waiver. No, they work.
0: got extra big parachutes. Hey, man, if, you, if they don't let you get on rides at Cedar Point, there's no way you could be up with a backpack.
1: You can't ride, is on.
2: there a ride? No. That you,
0: hey, you know what? You guys, this is not even funny, but
2: you remember the Tower of Terror type thing? Yeah. Where they put Big Boy in the ride and he didn't it, click. It, it,
0: it, it didn't click. He didn't click. So he fell to he his fell death. Off. It was horrible. A like, 17. Like He was a young and, kid. And they, I do remember that. They's big remember that. big fella. They they try to they try to push it like and it won't click. Yeah, it yeah, won't snap. Yeah. I'm like nah, bro. Plus, I got neck injuries. I can't be moving all around. I can't even dance no more. My neck. Be, i might not doing that school. Well, one day.
2: CSS. I think I could. I think I could talk you into it.
0: You might be able to get Earl in
2: there. But I forgot about your neck. That might be. Yeah, I, Anthony I'm, said he's I'm in more for likely skydiving. to. Anthony yeah.
1: would do it too. I, I'll sky. I'm more likely to skydive than I would uh, a bunch of jump. All right. So if anybody in the
2: UCSS verse has access to, knows someone that that offers parachute or skydiving. Rides, you hit up UCSS, and Mikey McNuggets. Oh, I was in Sandusky this weekend for uh, one of my teammates. My cousin had a surprise birthday party. And we, had a, we, we did a big party, and then we all went out afterwards. And the place that we went in Sandusky was loaded with UCSS fans. What? Uh, oh, it was. They nice. were hardcore, like watch-every-dayers. Nice. And I think they said they chat, they've, they've uh, had their chats read before on the show, a couple of them. So they may or may not hit you up today, McNuggets, with tales that may or may not be cool. true. I have no idea. <laughs> also, we
3: understand Ken Dorsey's speaking to the media right now. That's right when yeah. he wraps up, when everything's said and done, we'll react to it. So we're we're well aware. He's Jason's speaking. there, right? Jason's there. He's going to call in with a live report Good. after, but we'll get to that when it's done. It's hard to react without the true context of being yes. able to listen in the moment. So we'll gather everything. And what are you react? guys expecting from that?
2: I'm expecting the first questions to be, <clears throat> "Are you going to call plays?" It's already That's been it. answered.
3: Teaser we'll find out in 20 minutes what he said but it was the first question asked
2: well why don't we have the answer yet
3: well I don't want to dive right into it
2: oh so you already got so it so you know the answer and you're holding <laughs> it they said he said it's too early he said it's too early
0: to make a decision on who's calling <laughs> plays sorry. but
2: I don't want to start the fans aren't ready to hear yet that Stefanski won't be calling
3: plays
0: <laughs> McNugget sound like my wife you been knew that you ain't let me know <laughs> <I was> just, <laughs> I'm just saying to we get all no, the information that, before fair. we
3: dive into it but the first question was, who's calling plays? And he didn't answer it. Kevin Stefanski said, guys, it's February 5th. We have plenty of
2: time to figure that out. Oh, so, man, here it comes, <laughs> here so it So we'll comes. react to everything else. I mean, Kevin if Orson you guys up. don't see this unfolding, like I predicted when AVP got fired. Yeah.
0: Which we'll also talk about.
2: That day, I yeah. said, Stefanski's not calling plays. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah That's time. it. It's blooming.
2: Yeah, there is a lot to talk about there because Albert Breer, who is – really, really dialed into Cleveland. He's a, he's a Cleveland fan. I think it's safe to say that, right? I think he's a Buckeye. Well, it's funny because the two teams he's most plugged in with
3: are the Browns and the Patriots.
2: Exactly, because he works in Boston. He covers the P- Patriots. But I think the thing that we need to well, – well, we'll tease it for later, but his explanation of what's going on is exactly what my theory was the morning after AVP was fired. So when I heard him talk, I said he just confirmed everything I thought. Mm, and yeah. Albert oh. Breer is getting it from someone inside the Browns organization. Okay, McNuggets. So we'll go Browns after we
3: talk a little, Cavs. but first, before all of that, it is Super Bowl week. Happy Super Bowl season yeah. to all who celebrate from FanDuel America's number one sports book. If you're like me, placing bets on Super Bowl Sunday is the absolute best. It's a necessity, along with grabbing a great seat on the couch to watch the game and grabbing your favorite football snacks and FanDuel's here to help you not just win one, but when two, three, four, even more bets, we're going to put together an ultimate same-game parlay on UCSS throughout the week, which will start in about an hour here. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl this season, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. Right now, new, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if their first bet of $5 or more wins so visit fanduel.com slash UCSS to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash UCSS. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook sponsor of the NFL. And today's winning ticket comes from our guy, Akron Dre Day. He won three separate same game parlays in the nice. Utah Philadelphia game last week. In total, the three parlays added up to equal $1,139.65. The one he sent us here was the smallest of the three, plus 3,200 odds. He won $826 on a $25 bet. That was one of his parlays. The other parlay turned 15 into 154. He had a third, but you can only show two tweets on Twitter. So shout out to Akron Dre Day for a massive Mm. payday. And speaking of Today the was NBA a good guys, day. <laughs> by
0: the way, Big Nuggets, I won twice this weekend. At a boy, wait you a minute, on your twenty leg <laughs> parlays? Nah, I got a new joint. I got a new setup. Got
1: a new joint. I got a new joint.
2: Someone, someone hit up hit up the show last week, and I saw your eyes light up like Christmas trees. Uh, so
0: you know what's crazy? They, shout out to FanDuel. They got this thing. I don't I don't even want to say it because I feel like they're going to stop discontinuing it right when I'm hot. <laughs> you know, don't be playing around. You got to go through the FCC <laughs> to do that, man. Don't be playing around with the odds, guys. But they got this thing where you could bet during the game. Live sure. betting. And, and so the live betting is I'm over here. I hit twice on the over-under and on the point spread. So what I did is Probably I – Probably not big paydays, you know, right? Oh, here's what I did. I pulled up. I'm like, okay. Oh, so you went against the first half trend. I I, I I waited to the fourth quarter. I saw the trends. I'm saying, okay, well, they ain't about to hit the no over-under. I'm looking at the the points or whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, let me go with the under on this one. Then I'm looking at the point spread. I'm like, mm, this, this 12, 13, this could be down to eight. I'm going to go with the point spread. So I did that for two games. That was in tow at, in the fourth quarter. And you're right. You can't, you can't, you're not going to get rich off of it. It's like five or ten bucks. But I said, oh, no, well, here's what I'm going to do. This guarantee, give me 100. So I put 100 on, on the point spread in the fourth quarter. It's like five minutes left of the Jazz and the, uh, and the Bucks. And guess what? You Easy hit. money. I yeah. uh, like 600. Yeah, Really? 600.
1: Yeah. Just you got fr-
3: six to one odds on a money line? Money line in
1: the fourth quarter. Live, live betting is the cheat code. My, it's the cheat? My I'm friend, like- the, the one ticket that we showed that my friend hit, that 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 long parlay he, hit, he put $13 on that at halftime of that particular football game and won over a thousand. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had his ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So like I ain't never
0: starting. Way. I ain't starting no more before the game. I might get no, no, I'm gonna wait all halftime game. I, was, wow. I, could, I could not believe that. So I saw someone sent in a ticket last yep. week and you were like what I said what I, I might be on. i said, say you he wanted something. All right. Kid.
2: Yeah. Shout out to very Phil, good. By the way, Don't I can it. tell you this uh, from the sports fans that I run into. Sports gambling is absolutely massive in this crowd. We read the numbers last week. Seven and a half billion dollars wagered in Ohio in one year. It's I can see it. Seven and a half B. And I, I can see it too because everybody that I ran into over the weekend wanted to know, what's, what's, the, what's the spread on the Super Bowl? Right. Which way are you going? Right. What do you think about, you know, McCaffrey will score in an any time touchdown? Well, I, people are talking about this like never before. Well, we're going to do segments all throughout the week.
3: All right, so.
1: McNuggets. Speaking What's of fan duel, I think I'm going to take the over on Evan Mobley threes tonight.
2: Ah,
3: well,
1: that's a great place to start. Wow, good transition. Saturday, I'm taking the
2: over. <laughs> on Careful Saturday, now. Evan Mobley. One game does not make a trend.
3: <laughs> Saturday, Mobley made three threes, first time in his career. He had done that. Guys, is this a... One game blip in the radar for Mobley, or a turning point in the young power forward's career as he progresses and hopefully transforms
1: into someone a,
2: thinks it's a turning
3: point. I, no, no, no. It could be
1: I, for me. I don't think that this one game is is a turning point for his entire career, but I do think that this game could be a confidence builder in him improving his three point shooting. Evan Mobley is what twenty four percent career, twenty four percent from three in his career. In 24 right. games <clears throat> this year, one game took him up over 35%. For his career? For, or I for mean, for, for the season. But in yeah, yeah. and, and totality, man, three-point field goals made yesterday was his career high. He's never attempted more Saturday. than uh, Saturday. He's never attempted more than six in a game, and he did that last year against Toronto.
2: How many of those did he hit? Do you remember? I think he hit two. Two.
1: So, I mean, looking at it, I, I don't feel like that Evan Mobley is going to transform into some three-point assassin. I think it's good to see him hit his shots. I know this was a two-part question of, is this a turning point in his career? No. And I don't think that him being a three-point shooter, based off that, raises the calf ceiling. Because if we go by the numbers, which is a McNuggets thing, it's not really my thing. Yeah. Three-point field goals made being three was his career high yesterday. So he's never made more than two in the game. Let's split it, say he makes one, maybe two at most. Yeah. That's six points. That's way, I mean, a margin of victory in the NBA is way higher than that. Sure. So it's not, I don't think it does anything to raise the Cleveland Cavaliers ceiling, but if Evan Mobley can just develop and play more consistently around the board, as far as defensive, uh, defensiveness, like, you know, just asserting itself, yeah. you know, hitting the knockdown shots, things are like that, I think that raises the calf ceiling more than him. Being a quote unquote three point shooter.
2: Yeah, gee, what do you think? I mean, it's one game, well, but it listen. was
0: impressive. Wemby, Wemby's long, <clears throat> hard to shoot over. I think one 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 thing that I think really helped him was the simple fact that you saw him going against Wemby, right? And I think he really took that to heart. I thought the way he played, he came out aggressive, and I think Evan Mobley being very quiet, um, you may not know how how motivated he is but I think he came out and wanted to show him and Jared Allen wanted to come out and show, cause they both outplayed Wimpy. They showed that, Hey, look, you know, y'all calling him a unicorn, but we can get it done too. You know, both of them, 28, 26 points, all of them over 10 point, two, over 10 rebounds. But specifically when you talk about his three point shooting, I think this helps the Cavs based on one thing. And we talked about it before it's confidence. When you hit three, three for three, What it does, it gives you the confidence to say, okay, I can hit that shot. And even if you don't hit three for three, even if you hit one three or even if you're consistently taking that shot, what it does, it makes people respect you. you got to respect it now. They can't leave you alone. And he may not shoot over 40 percent. Heck, he might not. If he's 32 percent, I'll take that. If he can make people respect him, if he can make Wimby have to come out from the basket, if he can make other fours have to come out and guard that, it opens the floor up for Donovan Mitchell to drive it, and then you can still do some high-low stuff with Jared Allen. So for me, I, I, it was a good sign, not because he hit three for three and he's going to go three for three every game. It's because he saw, he saw the ball go through the, through the hole. It gives him a little more confidence. And now it can be a coaching point that JB and the staff can say, hey, look, Look how productive the team is when you can shoot that shot and hopefully gives them more of a, 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 you know, incentive and, and confidence to take the shot if it's there. Well, for me, he obviously has to do it more than one game. One game right.
2: is, is definitely not a trend. How many times have we seen things in the NBA and think that, oh, wow, he had 30 points? Well, that could be yeah. a new baseline. And then, it, you know, that player never hits 30 again. So I'm definitely not ready to sit here and say that he's a bona fide three-pointer. What I liked is, I think it was critical that he made the first one. Mm -hmm. That got us to number two. And the fact that he made his second one got us to number three. He has to have the shooter's mentality that I don't care if it goes in or not. Mm -hmm. I am going to take the shot because it absolutely changes the way the defense plays when I'm out here. They can't stand there and give him six, eight feet of space If he's dropping them like that, Mm -hmm. they've got to respect that. And that's the whole idea of getting them out there to shoot. You want spacing. You want lanes. When you bring the defense out to the perimeter, it creates that. And the Cavs have shown over the last month that that's their best brand of basketball to play. When there's guys on the perimeter and there's all threats to make the three, things open up. And now you don't even really have to shoot the three. It's like having a nuclear weapon. It's a deterrent. I don't want to poke you in the bear. You might nuke me. <laughs> well, it's the same thing in basketball with perimeter defense and a guy like Evan Mobley who hasn't shown that he's got a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. Intel starts getting out real quick. Oh, he's got a nuclear weapon. Yep. Now you got to defend him. You can't just let him stand there and nuke you all day if, he, if he's going to do that. So I loved it. I hope it's a sign of things to come. I understand where you're coming from, Earl, and you don't think it necessarily raises the ceiling, but see, the the mathematical formula is if you take 10 Mm three-pointers and you're hitting 30%, out of those 10 shots, you walked away with nine points. Mm -hmm. If you shoot 10 of your shots, mid-range, jumper to in, underneath the basket, and you're a 50% shooter, which he is, And you take 10 shots, you just scored 10 points. Mm -hmm. So it all becomes an efficiency quotient. It's how efficient can you be with those 10 shots versus 10 shots that you can find underneath. And it might well work out that he's not hitting... Because you got to hit over 33% before you can turn those 10 threes into more than you can make on twos. Even if he doesn't reach that point, I'm okay with him doing it because... There's all kinds of hidden benefits that won't show up on the scoreboard or in his box score. It's going to open space, create lanes, and give other guys an opportunity. So I'm anxious to get McNuggets' thoughts on this. I hope it's a sign of things to come. And the fact that he shot three, I think, is pretty big.
1: He hadn't taken three in a game all year, had he? I don't no, think he's so. he's taken three in the game a couple of times. No, this year. Uh, this year he's taken three. Oh he did. I, I don't he's remember. Taken, he's taken three a few times. Okay. He's only played twenty-four games. Right. But to your point, I, I definitely agree with what you said. The reason why I'm standing where I'm standing at with it, I think it's a confidence builder. Sure. Uh, like the way Mikey uh, posed the question was, does this game like like brings a point a turn of point in his career? And yeah, not, I, I can't and, go there. And, and, and I, I don't think so. I definitely man. think it's a confidence builder because even with him going three for three. The cast was still minus seven with him on the court. And so I'm encouraged to see him take these shots because you're right. It does spread the floor. It creates more room for other people to like maneuver. But for me, in order for the Cavs ceiling to be raised, I just need Evan Mobley to be more consistent. Right. And like, that's fair. Like be more consistent taking these good three-point shots. I get it. Be more consistent <clears throat> on the defensive end of the floor. Be more consistent like and asserting yourself underneath the rim and things like that. So just be more consistent. And to me, that does more to raise the calf ceiling than him like jacking up threes because I don't expect him to go three or three or three no, and six and things like that. So we we
0: talked about it a little bit, um, implementing Mobley, implementing Garland right. more, right? They just came back and, and we talked about it, and man, I was texting Mike. I said, "Man, it look, I don't like this. It, it looked different. The, the game, the style of the game, looked different when they both first yeah, came When they both came back, it slowed everything it, down. Now I look at it." It seems like Evan Mobley, he got the he got the picture, he got the the calling card, because he's like, okay, he looked way more comfortable than what Darius Garland looked. He looked like he knew where he wanted to attack. He was aggressive. He looked like he knew where he wanted to get on the on the floor in his spots, and, and he scored under the basket. He shot the threes. He he extended the defense, but it seems like Darius Garland is still trying to figure it out. I mean, when you look at, it, I mean. He, he, he hasn't even gotten four. He got four assists the last game, but look at the numbers. Four yeah. points, one of three. Um, the day before, the game before this, didn't even have four assists. He failed to get 10 points. Um, so this is a second game in a row where it looked like he was kind of disinterested. Not disinterested, but not unsure of where he fit everybody else was moving Donovan Mitchell playing with such confidence Jared Allen is playing out of his mind and then you get Evan Mobley come in even Karis Levert looks way more comfortable and Garland is almost like okay where do I have the ball and how do I how do I get guys involved? That's because the Rubik's Cube they've that got to solve. Eight, eight assists. For, think about that. That means he's by the, default. He's the playmaker now. He is now.
2: So, and I think if nothing else during his injury Garland's injury. Like I think that they realize we got to go four out, one in. Mm-hmm. I also think they realize that this team is just better when Donovan has the ball in his hand and he's creating at mm-hmm. the front. Now, I think you're right, and I'm, I don't know if it's moping. I, I really want Mike to weigh in now because I don't know if he's moping because he's hearing all the chatter that he's not going to be the, the point guard or the playmaker, the primary ball handler on this team. I don't know what it is, but he, he right now seems to be the moving part that hasn't fit into this new style. I don't know how they do it. I don't know, can they do it? Um, I don't know. So The, the I, numbers
3: I, all say, and I'm a numbers guy, I don't think it's the end-all, be-all, but Garland and Mitchell on the court together this season have a plus 9.2 net rating. So it's not the Cavs haven't been successful, it just looks different. It's kind of like the Flacco-Watson thing. Okay. The numbers are eerily similar, it just looked different Flacco-Watson. This is not an exact comparison, I'm just... No, I so get I'm, it, I'm picture. the picture. Numbers actually say Garland and Mitchell together have produced really good results. A plus 9.2 rating is one of the higher mm-hmm. tandems on the entire Cavs roster. It's four games back. He's, he has to change how he plays, which he's played his entire career. He's always been the best ball you handler, primary playmaker. you think that'll the be a problem playmaker. for
2: him? No, he's really talented, and he can shoot. I don't mean the physical playing, part. I mean the mental part.
3: I think anytime you ask someone to change Especially because he's an is, established star. Yeah, Mitchell's a bigger star, though. No question. It's not like he's being asked to change to a a newcomer. It's not like Carl Anthony Towns when they drafted Anthony Edwards. No, you're right. You were the guy, and now you're not. Mitchell was always a bigger star than Garland was, but Garland has the requisite skill set to be able to play off ball and alongside long. So we just have to hope and pray that he
2: accepts that role.
3: And we've seen it with Mitch, uh, with Mobley and Allen, and there was one game, granted, small sample size, but the fact he took three threes at least kind of emphasized what JB said last week we need you to shoot more threes. That was the first time in. all year, by the way, that he's taken It was three. the first time. <clears and he's> only, <throat> yeah, the first time. He's, he's only made threes in f- three games this season. He had three against San Antonio. He made one against Indiana on October 28th, and he made one against Atlanta on November 28th. The only three games. He made five threes this season now. That's it.
2: Well, what's – I mean, it, what's encouraging to me is it's his first game with double digit. Uh, you know, he, he yeah. hit more than one, so he hit, he hit three. And I think you're right. He got the memo. Oh, he saw it. It, Here's the thing that I love about this team. They're all smart. They all have high basketball IQs. And when he was sitting and couldn't play, it didn't take him long for the light to go off. Oh, whoa, whoa. They're doing something different here. (laughs) Jared Allen out here
0: eating. This this (laughs) is different.
2: And he's smart enough to know. And I'm sure JB has had this conversation with him. Look. This is who we need you to become. And I don't care if you miss threes. If you miss, keep shooting. And we're not talking about eight a game. Right. We're talking four a game, I think, would be a perfect number. Mike, am I off on that? How many threes would you like to see him take? Four or five?
3: I I think it depends how the defense plays him. I don't want him chucking up four threes if they're helping. But if they're going to sag off him and he has the opportunity to shoot three, four, five, I have no problem with him shooting open threes in the regular season. I don't either. If he's open, he should shoot it. I think that's it. If that's that's eight times, that's it. Evan, let it fly eight times. If it's once in a game, I don't think there's a number you have to hit. But if they're going to allow you to shoot those shots in the regular season especially, let it fly Let it go. Let it fly.
1: I want to go back to something he said about Darius Garland. You know, Mike said, like, anytime you ask somebody that's a star – to change up what they do, it can cause an issue. If, if I'm Darius Garland, do I want to be the guy or do I want to be a part of a team that could possibly go to the NBA Finals? You know, I hear Jason Lloyd talk a lot about the Cavs really don't need to make a move. The Cavs have, the Cavs have all the pieces, they're just young and they need to grow. And I think like in sports, the same way we do in the <coughs> real world, we worry too much about public perception. I think the best (laughs) move to be made is internal. And I think that you need to shake up that starting lineup and possibly bring Darius Garland off the bench. Because, like you said, he's trying to figure out how to insert himself into this new style of play. Sure. Well, if you can bring a dude like that off the bench and then let him just run his show while Donovan Mitchell is getting a breather, I think it makes more sense. You know, up until uh, the game two days ago, I was a proponent of... Why not bring Evan Mobley and Darius Garland off the bench if it can work that way? Right. I just think, again, public perception because one was the second overall pick because one is a max player that most people will say you have to start these dudes. But having to start these dudes might not be the best course of action for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I agree with that. Don't worry about what what the public say, what the mass say. G, what do you say Do what's best for your team. Because
2: I'm all for that, too.
1: It's just
0: whether or not the players will embrace it. You know... That's a that's a that's a, a thought provoking thing because like you remember you when said, Colin Sexton was asked to
2: take a, he a didn't lesser it. role, he could. He was He's like, up Whoa. out of here.
0: He's like, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. Here's the thing, too. You know, if you look mm-hmm. at the way they play, <clears throat> what is the maximum potential of the team? When I when you see Jared Allen with 26 or Mobley with 28, and both to one ten 10 rebounds, 116 rebounds, I feel like. I, if I could get that, I'd take that over Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland having 25 apiece. Oh, I would too. Because if you get because they're still gonna eat too. Yeah, they're gonna if, get there. If you could get if you get 20s from them, Cavs is now a, a bona fide contender. Because now what you're looking at, you got two guys that can defend. You got guys that can that can finish around the rim. And now Mobley is is going to take that shot. We don't know if he's gonna knock it down, but when you take a look. At that, those two, it almost seems like it, it's almost telling the guys, hey, look, this is what we can do if we run through the bigs. Right. If we work through the bigs, it's going to make your life way easier. And I think Donovan Mitchell, he, 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 he he's, he's cracked that in the matrix because if you watch him when he, when he started this game, he came out and, and it was getting everybody involved. He was like, we're not gonna let Wimby get out here and get highlights and, and make you and make it feel like he's gonna get off to a, a fast start. He got his big started fast, and Wimby was on an uphill battle the rest of the game. And Donovan still got his right. It was just, it's just, it's just picking your points and picking your time. Well, what's nice about that
2: approach is when you get into playoff series, and one team might be really good at defending bigs, then you come at them with the guards. What it does is it gives you other options and different ways to beat teams. And we all know, even in a series, night to night, a team will decide, oh, no, that didn't work for us in game one. So we're going to take this away. Well, if you're a team that has multiple hammers, you just hit them with the hammer that's working. And I love the fact that it gives them many options. Here's, I think, ultimately what it's going to come down to as far as Garland's concerned. Is he mature enough? wise enough, and selfless enough to put the better good of the team in front of his numbers and his personal career. That's how teams win championships. When you look at those Golden State teams, they had guys that could do multiple things, but maybe one night, we don't need you to do that. We need you to do this. I thought Steve Kerr was very good night to night Mm. at finding out really really early in the game what the other team was going to get him. That's he his called best. a timeout at the eight-minute mark of first quarters. He brought his troops together and said, game plan out the window. They're, they're going to play us like this, so we're going to switch it up and we're going to do that. And they had selfless players, diverse players, and a lot of different skill sets, and they were able to beat you with multiple different uh, fronts, on multiple different fronts. I think this Cavs team, I, I do believe that the ceiling is higher if we get this version of Evan Mobley the rest of the way and Darius Garland can find his spot, I don't think we have to have them both on the floor all the time together. First of all, whenever Mitchell's not in the game, Garland's in the game. That's always been the case. But he's going to get those minutes. Maybe you start resting Mitchell more. They're in the three seed right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and with Philly and a big injury that they've had, the two is... Within reach, and who knows from
1: there? I, I just look at it like this, right? When we talk about the, the mental side of things, right? We know Darius Garland is talented. But you peep, Darius Garland is not in the closing lineup of games. And like, I don't to,
2: think that's by accident.
1: It's not at all. And JB me, has
2: realized what
1: it is. To me, that says a lot. Right? I think that, that says a lot about who he trusts to get others involved. It says a lot about who he trusts as the leader. Like, just different things of that nature. You know, we, I hope it doesn't fracture the team. It shouldn't, it shouldn't It shouldn't It shouldn't but it, because if you're still It has before. Like, if you want to be either Darius Garland, you want to be known as that dude, all star, max contract dude, or do you want to be known as that dude that's a part of a team that could possibly chase a ring? Like, that's the question you need to ask yourself because if JB yes. Bickerstaff approach him and say, Look, I want to shake things up. I want to try this. How about you? You be the sixth man. You come off the bench. You still get your 22, and 23 minutes of game. You lose nothing with him off you the lo- bench as the You lose point. nothing. You actually gain because. If you bring a dude like that off your bench and then the other team is making substitutions, nine times out of 10, you still got the best player on the court. You got a one against their two. And so, like, you got so many different moving parts and pieces to where I don't want to lose the role players and what they've contributed so far, right? I don't want Sam Merrill to get lost. We're seeing Isaac Okoro play the best basketball of his career. Cares Levert, when he's on, he's on. Man. And I just think shaking up the starting lineup, Jay, you don't need all four of these dudes starting. No, I agree. It's like, Coral, it, it can would, make things better.
0: Would Okoro be the guy that you would start McNuggets? If you did, this theoretical, uh, obviously, it's a long shot. I think they're going to keep him in lineup. But would you go with the, the lineup would be Mitchell, Okoro, uh, Allen, and Mobley? Theoretically. I
3: mean, I, I don't really care who starts. It's all about who closes. I agree with that right
2: I think we as the media make way too much of who the starting lineup is I
3: I think the Cavs best lineup though to close includes Darius Garland you do yeah I I think Darius Garland if you were asking today game seven today probably not but he's been back three or four games he's still trying to figure out how he fits in I think for the Cavs to be at their best Garland and Mitchell are playing together, and then you can figure out the shooting. Okay. And the
0: Anxious
1: defense. to see De'Aaron
0: Fox is coming Dude, to town. Yeah.
3: Great uh, game tonight, by the way. Yeah, I
1: got a question though for you, Mike. Does it bother you that he only shot the ball three times in 23 minutes of play? Do you I, think he's moping?
3: No. No, I mean, they were up big the whole game, like – I have a hard time reading anything into a ball okay. out on a Saturday night against San Antonio in a non-conference game. I, I didn't think it was a big deal. Right. But they won by 22. Let's see, how, let's see what happens. <clears> and moment. what happened at the end of the game is a bigger deal. I'll tell you about that one I second. Agree. I threw shark bait to the chat. And I asked, is Evan Mobley a shooter now? 66% said no, so shout out to the chat They're smart being they real. We that appreciate out. that from the chat. Always intelligent stuff from the chat there. We're going to talk about the end-of-game kerfuffle between Donald Mitchell and Zach Collins. Then we're going to talk Ken Dorsey because his presser just wrapped up. But first, a word from our friends over at FanDuel. It is officially Super Bowl season, and there is no better place to celebrate the Super Bowl than with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like us, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seats on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And right now, FanDuel has a ton of different ways to help you end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but you can also bet on which players will score touchdowns, how many points will be scored, and so much more. And today, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if their first bet of five dollars or more wins so make sure you visit fanduel.com slash ucss to sign up that is fanduel.com ucss make every moment more with fanduel an official sports book of the nfl at the end of the cavs spurs game the Cavs were up by about 20 ish points a minute and a half left to play and then zach collins did this steve you can take tag board full here if you hadn't seen it it's as dirty as it gets. They'll show a replay in a sec. And here comes Donovan with the retaliation. Earl, Donovan Mitchell is a man who we have learned stands on business. And I can't for the life of me understand why players continue to try and attack him in uh, dirty ways, especially with a minute left down 20 points. Why?
1: Man, One of the things that I really love about Donovan Mitchell outside of the ability to just play basketball, I try to like really gauge somebody's like mentality like this dude is an alpha male, like he's an alpha dog. He's a dude that stand on business. You, that's not a dude that you just finna like think you can do anything to out there on that court and he just gonna stand there and take it. We seen this last year with Dylan Brooks. We seen it earlier this season. I think it was with uh, Draymond Green uh, before <coughs> Draymond Green got suspended. So Donovan Mitchell definitely stand on business and he let you know like I'm not nobody to play with. But what I like about that is it seems like it always give the rest of the team energy. Right. It seems like that type of that type of approach, that type of alpha leadership, like your team feed off of that. Right. And, and things like that, that that's going to help you going further as you get to the playoffs, because remember, this is a team that we talked about their toughness, their mental toughness being pushed around and things like that. And like he gets pissed off when these things happen. It's, at this point, the game is wrapped up. You out here being extra for no reason at all. Like he did the right thing.
2: Yeah, I, I think he did the right thing. I, I will say though, I saw this play differently, I think, than you guys did. Zach kind of half-heartedly threw an elbow.
1: I didn't think You it know what was, it was though, Jay? Not to cut you off. You know it what it was? was?
2: Sc- I know the score has something to do no, with it.
1: If if you like, so I was preparing for getting getting my graphics and stuff together today. And if you go through and you look at some of the pictures and just some of the mm. steals from from the game the other night. He was getting whacked across the well, head and beat up all the time. And then he's probably like, you know what? At the no, end of the game, this is still happening. Nine that fits. was the tipping point. Yeah. To me, I thought he
2: took worse during the game. Yeah. And I was, at some point, surprised that he didn't retaliate earlier. And I think you're right. I think he had just finally had enough. But, I mean, I've seen guys do way worse than what Collins did. I mean, it looked to me like he, it was a non-committal elbow. He didn't even, like... He didn't throw his arms out at mm-hmm. him. He almost like recoiled a little bit. That's, that's but it was still. It was in total. They had been getting away with that all night. I think he. I'm glad he didn't because he. We didn't want to get him ejected earlier in the game. Yeah. But it does send a message to the rest of the league if they don't already know it. Don't mess with this guy. Yeah. Because y- you are gonna get the. You know you are gonna get the sword.
0: Yeah, well, when I was when I was coming up, I was we was playing and my defensive line coach used to say it all the time. We'd be in two days of camp and uh, he'd be like, hey, listen, hey, I don't want to see nobody taking no extra stuff. You know, you're going pass rush one on ones and you may lose and all of a sudden the offensive lineman want to put the gravy on top. Don't try to act like you was doing me like that. You're going to put the gravy after the after the whistle blow. You fat boy! This we don't like that. <laughs> Get your hands off me. He's like, listen, we not we. You don't never want to put nothing on film that you gotta live on, cause now now the next day he cutting you. Now the next day they 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 double teaming you. He said, bro, you gotta fight. Sometimes you look. Hey, I'm not gonna take certain things. I'm gonna do take no hands to the face. I'm not taking that. And this was a prime example of I'm setting this up for the playoffs. I'm just letting you know that I'm not gonna be. Remember, Bugs Bunny used to be like. I'm not going to do any, none of this and none of this and none of this. And then he's sitting there and Elmer Fudd is getting beat up the whole dog on time. I'm not going to be Elmer Fudd out here, bro. You're not going to do me like that. And that's why Donovan Mitchell is the bona fide leader of the squad. You know why? He's the dude that if, if you play, it don't matter who it is. It could be the Lakers, the Knicks. It could be whatever. He's not going to take that. Gives, I wish we would have seen that one time last year in the next playoff series. See, you know what? Here's, here's, I will tell you this. I think it rubbed, I think this offseason it rubbed off because Jared Allen is playing different. Jared he's Allen different, is a yeah. different cat right now. He and doesn't seem as timid he or does, passive. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the Cowardly Lion. He's just like, no, listen, he's ready to go. He has his, short, his sword sharpened. And I like the fact that Zach Collins was like, oh, I thought I was going to get away with that little. That was light. He was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here for all the smoke. I love it. Love it. Yeah, I think long run, it's a really good
2: message that this team needs to send because I think their toughness was questioned last year in the Knicks series. I think that's kind of, that, that reputation has carried over to the regular season. All the guys are going to see this around the league, and they're all going to say, oh, okay. He's not going to stand back and take it. So I'd like to see one of the other players, maybe a Mobley or Allen, but I don't know that you can poke them hard enough to get a reaction like that out of either one of them.
1: I'm I'm wondering outside of Tristan Thompson, is there anybody else on this roster that's really built like that? You know, no. Like, I don't think there is. They're,
0: they're, they're, these is dudes you let date your daughter or your sister or something, and you really respectful. They come over for Sunday dinner and bring a covered dish. You not even ask them to. <laughs> you know what I mean? These dudes Maybe are, even these, a bottle of wine. Well, yeah. Listen, and then they shake your hand. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Listen, they, listen, Cavs didn't have to... They, if, if this is hard to say they do have good citizens they are nicer than the 80s calves and if you're looking at the 80s oh, calves david like, lenny wilkins like he's a <laughs> listen lenny <laughs> wilkins is a first ballot heaven uh, uh, hall of famer that's an example
2: <laughs> of a team completely embodying the personality <laughs> of their coach mark Bryce, brad Doherty. Dougherty, what larry was, Rod had a little edge to him but mostly those guys They'd smile after you would beat them man, up. Man,
0: uh, hey, hurry, know? I know you didn't mean that. Hey, listen, man. You know, great job, Michael. You hit another shot on us, you know. These dudes is that nice. We can't have that <laughs> in, this, in this NBA. All right. All right, Ken
3: Dorsey wrapped up, so we're going to talk oh, about yeah. his comments in Dorsey. one sec. But if you missed it last week, The first episode of the Ultimate Cavs Show launched on Friday. Today is the first episode of the Ultimate Brown Show. G. Bush and Leroy Horde at 5 o'clock today on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show YouTube channel. Ultimate 216 launches on Thursday. And another Ultimate Cavs is coming to you on Tuesday. The full gauntlet of the Ultimate Team Shows is launching here the next few days. But Earl of the Pearl on 216 coming Thursday. G. Bush tonight, five o'clock. The first yeah. ever Ultimate Brown Show. So make sure you guys tap in and tune into G with that, guys. We got some quotes from Ken Dorsey's press conference. Jason's gonna join us at noon, by the way. So we're gonna react, and then Jason will add some context to maybe what we missed. But let's start with the first, and it's two quotes tied together. So Kevin Stefanski and Ken Dorsey did a joint press release or press conference, and the first question, as I alluded to, Jay, was about calling plays, and Kevin Stefanski said. Quote, we'll get there. It's February 5th, and I'm looking forward to putting together an offensive plan with Dorsey. Dorsey was then kind of asked the same question, and he said, it's not as important as winning football
2: games. Guys,
3: how do you take that? Make well, of it what you will.
2: Well, I've heard or <sighs> seen nothing that knocks me off of my initial theory. And, you know, this isn't. I'm not reporting this. This is just my opinion. This is just my theory. When AVP was fired, the first question was, what? That man pulled rabbits out of hats for 11 games with the lineups. And uh, even though he wasn't calling plays, it just seemed like an odd place to start your house cleaning. Mm-hmm. An offensive coordinator that didn't call plays. And I said the morning after, the only answer for this is, someone at the very tip top, not Kevin Stefanski, because... I had sources telling me this was not a Stefanski thing. At least they didn't feel it was a Stefanski move. Ultimately, he may have delivered the news, but everyone that I talked to thinks that it just didn't come from Kevin organically. My theory was either Paul, DePodesta, or Jimmy Haslam made the decision at some point during the season, this is not the offense that I want my guy to run. I need Deshaun Watson to be a Super Bowl winner. And I haven't seen anything out of this play calling in this offense yet that can get him there because this is their legacy move. Their legacy will be cemented on one thing. Does Deshaun Watson bring this city a Super Bowl? Because that was an all-in Super Bowl move. That wasn't a move to make the playoffs. They'd been there the year before. This was not that. So I think that Jimmy's frustration was building. He saw Joe Flacco come in here doing all kinds of things and then all the whispers about, well, why can't Deshaun just do that? And Deshaun's saying, that's not what I do. So I think the power struggle in the organization uh, end up with AVP being gone, all as a precursor to Kevin no longer calling plays. They went out and called, or they went out and hired a, a, a offensive play caller in Ken Dorsey, even though he had been fired halfway through last year, and the Bills offense did get better. I do not think they brought him to be he, uh, here to be Alex Van Pelt. No, not, I do not. Not not at all. This and m- what I hate more than anything is, now look, I could be wrong, three weeks from now, it, Stefanski may take the podium and say, I'm calling them, my plays. And if, that, if that's the case, I will stand here and say, I was way wrong. But I don't think that's coming. And I even think that more now because they don't know? It's only February 5th? Like... The first question I'm asking if I'm an offensive coordinator on a job interview is, am I here to be Alex Van Pelt and the GOAT, or am
1: I calling plays? Hey, Jay, I'm calling plays or no? That's the number one question. I'm I'm calling plays or no? And
2: and the fact that they're ignoring the elephant in the room is a little insulting. I don't know. That's just how I feel.
1: So I was at home sick, and I remember watching the show, watching Twitter, seeing the news, and I tweeted out right, right away, I said, Alex Van Pelt being fired feels weird to me. It never felt like a Kevin Stefanski move. Like you, like you, it just didn't read. It didn't make sense, man. Right. We just started five quarterbacks in one games. Like, how in the hell is this dude getting fired? And last I checked, we never really knew technically what he did. We knew what his job title right. was, offensive coordinator, but we didn't know enough about him to none of us all season long came up and said, you know what? We need to fire that damn Alex Van Pelt. I didn't hear one person he is say that. not getting the job done. <laughs> not one. So, so when it happened, immediately, the first thing I said was, this is either Paul D. Podesta or Jimmy Haslam. And I'm like you, and I said this on, on, on the barbershop uh, about a month ago, and I stand on it. Kevin Stefanski will not be the Cleveland Browns play caller for 2024. You could damn near book it. You could damn near take it to the bank. I'm like, Jay, I'm giving you my opinion, but this is what I feel. You don't, high, you don't fire Alex Van Pelt to bring in a Ken Dorsey. To do, and, the, same do the same thing. To do the same thing. That's parallel. You might as well just kept who you had. But furthermore, if Jimmy Haslam really did come down and told him, hey, one, you got to fire your OC. Two, you not calling plays. You better off just firing Kevin Stefanski. Like, because you handcuff him to the point to where now he has to do what you want to do, and he can't run his football team the way that he wants to. So I instead agree. of doing all this and being extra, you should have just fired the man.
0: Gee. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a, uh, you know, a different route at this. You know, Jimmy Haslam bought the Cleveland Browns in 2012. I believe at that time he was 58 years old. Um, today, Jimmy Haslam will be 70 years old in, uh, in a March. And the life expectancy of a male in the United States is 77 years old. Also, oh, he hears the clock ticking. When you when you a man and you got money, money can last you a long pride i got a bunch of money but but when you start hitting them prime years them tip-top years you start looking at legacy and you start looking at what you leaving behind you can't take that money with you and for a man of his age at 70 years old we talk about a three-year plan a five-year plan all that year plan and i keep trying to tell you it's all about the plan that the person who's making decisions is this was i'm a 70 year old man with seven years looking down the barrel if i'm lucky I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of businesses. I got a lot of stress. I run a lot of stuff. That could be 74, 75, right, right? right? So what I'm looking at it, he looking at it like, Hey, I know that, you know, Hey, you guys had a nice year, but we don't care about nice years. I'm looking at it. My wife is 70 years old. We want to see this thing through because we are in legacy mode. We're not in, let's, let's look at a 10, 20 year plan. So when Barry and Stefanski is coming with these plans, Deepa Podesta, he's telling them, Hey, Give me give me the stats to get us to a to a Super Bowl in in the next two or three years because here's the thing. He may not even be here for a rebuild. (laughs) He may not even be here for a long term rebuild. Heck, he may not even see another quarterback pass Deshaun Watson. So you know what he did? All the chips is in the middle of the table, and that's very uncomfortable because that's a different timetable than what young men have. Stephansy she's very young. Barry is twelve years old. <laughs> Chill out, me him the same 13. age, <laughs> nine,
1: twelve.
0: These dudes Chill is young. So, so when you see them, you got a young head coach and a young GM. Their timetable, and Jay, you know it. The, the the way I think about life today is totally different the way you think about life. You bet. And there's You're certain right. things that, that don't even compute to you. I ain't doing that. I'm, and for me, it's the same thing with Earl. It, there's certain things I think about right now that Earl don't think about, right? It's just the two different, everybody at different stages. And I think Jimmy has them that he's at a different stage where it's like, it's either now or never. I completely agree. And I know we got
2: to move to the next quote, but here's the last thing I'll say to that. Look, it's Jimmy's right. He has the billions. He writes the checks. He makes the tough calls. I'm fine with that. But don't hide behind all this nonsense. Just say you did it. You are the owner. We don't have to like these moves. Here's the thing. If you like them, you believe in them. Then pound your chest and say, on this day, I am removing Alex Van Pelt from the organization and we are currently looking for our next play caller. And here's my promise to fans. I'm going to go out and I'm going to find the best available play caller and he's going to be the guy that takes us to the Super Bowl. I'm fine with that. He's the owner. He can do that. But just own it. Don't make Kevin Stefanski have to sheepishly fall on a sword and like, yeah, I fired Alex Van Pelt, my long-lost buddy, and I don't know who's going to call plays next year. Stop playing theater. This is real. I, 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 hey, I,
1: I know you got to move on, but it's so funny hey. because it's like, it's like three mutual friends in a room, right? And Jimmy is the dude that's talking about everybody behind everybody's back. And then once the people get in front of the cameras and they ask, well, who said that? Yeah. Everybody Jim. sit up there, paws like, well, yeah. you know, it's February 5th. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. We'll tell
0: you later. I, I, I also think, and it was just really quick, I also think that we hear Deshaun Watson a lot called a lot of things. Don't think that 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 didn't translate to I agree. How, when, yeah. when you hit when you uh, a man of stature and you hear a predator. How could you sign this guy? You guys are, are devoid of any soul, all that kind of stuff. The only way he get that off. He that's on his his playbook. That's on, he. the only way you erase that is if you win and you can turn change the narrative. That's it. That's it. Now. Th- I, I, one last comment.
2: Jimmy brought him here. And we're we're trying to eliminate excuses, right? Isn't that kind of what we're doing? Like, th- there's a, there's a bad seed in here, and we're trying to find it. So if you keep throwing seeds out, and there's only one seed left, but what he's done now is he's brought a new seed in, and we don't know. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so if we get to week ten, and, and Deshaun
0: still looks mid, then everybody's going to look at Ken Dorsey instead of Deshaun Watson. I, I think I, I think Deshaun uh, I think Deshaun is it's a make or break year for him. Two. Oh,
3: the next gee, the next quotes are about Deshaun, so let me, let do me give you what Ken Dorsey said on Deshaun. These are from three different reporters, a couple of different quotes, but all ties back to Deshaun. Tom Withers says, Dorsey's already connected with Watson, excited about working with him. Zach Jackson, Dorsey calls Watson one of the top quarterbacks in this league. Looking forward to the opportunity to help him go out and prove that. And last but not least, and maybe most interesting from Hayden, doesn't sound like Ken Dorsey is going to budge on scripted plays for Deshaun Watson. So I'm guessing
2: someone asked him, do you like to come into games with scripted plays? And he must have said, yeah. And yeah, I, But again, the assumption is he's going to be calling the plays. I think we're even beyond that now. The media has already moved beyond the charade and the theater of this we don't know who's going to be our play caller.
1: collectively we like okay yeah we it, hear you yeah, so
2: <laughs> hayden properly put it into the context as if he's saying look stop the games we know ken's going to be the play caller and by the way they he's not, or not a fan or, or he is a fan of the scripted 15. i will say this about the scripted 15 which we learned last week that it it doesn't always you know yeah. when we hear script we think one two three but after digging and talking to some players, we've learned that 15 might be, it's probably better to call it your favorite 15. Y- yes. y- and you probably have three plays that work that you really love on first and 10, or maybe five, because you know you're going to face right. a, a myriad of first and 10s. Then you probably have a handful for second and short, or second and sevens if you stay on on schedule. Then you have your short yardage plays. Then you probably have a couple that are First, second, and third, and long yardage, and so what it is is it's those are the fifteen that you come back to because we worked on those the yep. most in practice. Yep. But it doesn't mean we run play one and yeah. then two. Hell, what if play
0: three is a third and one and it's third and thirty? If you guys, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys haven't watched, go back and check out that uh, that Flacco interview. And he does a good job of explaining the concept of scripting plays. And he also says, yeah, it's, it's like a menu of favorite plays. And you could get all the way to almost halftime and still have seven or eight plays left. That you want to call, um, and, but it, you have to stay on, you know, on schedule, but that's more of along the lines of these are the plays we we kind of, you know, went over. We like these plays. We think they could work. Sometimes you run all of them. They stop you and then you got to go off script in right. the
1: second half. And, and just for the record, Deshaun Watson kind of further explained this. He did. You know, he he says, you know, I have no problem being coachable, doing what my coach tell me to do. If my coach say, this is what we're running, this is what we're running. He just said, I'm not a fan of it. So, with Ken Dorsey here, maybe they can meet in the middle. The, yeah. first, the 15 are what the 15 are. But maybe when you send him out there, okay, this is where we go. This is scripted play one, but here's two other plays you can audible to. Sure. You get to the line of the scrimmage. You get to the line of the scrimmage and you do what you think is best.
2: And Deshaun said in the interview where he was kind of answering to Bulls criticism that if you look at my career, throughout my career, I have always been better in the second half than the first half. And I have always been better in the second half of seasons than I was in the first half. I like to think I get better as it goes on. I'm fine with the scripted 15. I'm going to run them and run them the best of my ability. But he made it clear that it's his preference to open the whole menu. And and I, I think there's a lot of credence to that, too. We have Jason. He's coming on in one sec. I got one last
3: quote, and we have to ask him about this. I have no idea what the context is. Once again, we're taking these from Twitter. Quote from Ken Dorsey. It was darn near like a root canal to get this job, Jesus. end quote.
2: What do you think that means?
3: Was, obviously, no context because well, we'll hear from Jason. Jason will but. hopefully
2: clear it up and give it proper context. But my <sighs> take on that is does it, like when garlic? I say I use root canal as a way to describe anything that is lower than the pain threshold of my ACL surgeries. Yes. For you, I can say to you because you've had ACL, I can say, bro, I'd rather have ACL awake then go through that. To mm. me, that's painful. Yeah. If you haven't had an ACL, maybe it's a pretty good chance you've had a root canal. To me, that's like the next on the pain threshold. Mm. Those things suck. And I, people, it, usually when you say root canal, you're using it in a way of, you're talking about a lot of pain and discomfort.
0: And, and then the, the recovery part of it. What, what, the way I take a look at that is, is it shows you when he said he goes through the interview process, um, if you've ever been interviewing for like, corporate jobs or something or you've interviewed people, you have an initial interview, it's a phone interview. Then you have to take an assessment test to make sure that you actually uh, can, can spell, read or write. Then after that, they bring you back in and you meet with the managers, there's two of them. They ask you questions and then give me a time where you weren't able to meet your goals. <laughs> and they sit sitting there writing the whole time. After that, you meet with the main manager. He talked to you, you're like, okay, well, dang, I've been here 35, 40 minutes. That's the last time you were right. challenged in yeah, your field. Yeah, right, you like. No, <laughs> so a lot of steps to A lot of steps. He yeah. probably went with, he probably went to talk to Savansky. He probably talked to Barry. He probably, then he got to the last interview and it was D Podesta, D and Jimmy and him. And it's like, dang, how many yeah. times? He, he ain't talked to Deshaun right. anymore. Deshaun, no, was the Deshaun probably was first. He's the first one.
2: <laughs> and he, they had to get him to yeah. sign off. But it's interesting. I have a friend who, uh, a former coworker of mine who was interviewing for a job with the Browns organization, but it was actually a crew position, mm-hmm. okay, because they do a lot of the, It's all combined into, you know, Jimmy and D's sports umbrella. Yeah. She's smart. She's qualified. She's competent. She's experienced. She told me the initial posting. She goes, do you think this would be something for me? And I said, absolutely. She applied. She got a first interview. She interviewed like four or five times with all different levels of managers Mm -hmm. first phone then zoom then Mm -hmm. face to face then face to face with higher echelon Mm -hmm. managers and you know what i told her she ended up not getting the position it came down to her and one other they hired a person that actually had experience in that exact role Mm -hmm. that she was applying for but it opened my eyes to the browns i said i immediately said that's what good organizations do they put you through the gauntlet this is not, this is one of the top 10 jobs in the organization. Mm-hmm. You better find the right person. So I like, I, I, I don't know that that's the context he meant, but I hope he went through a lot of different layers of interviews. I think you're more likely to get the right person the more rigorous the process is. Even, so I'm okay with that. Even when,
0: when, I, when he was interviewing, we got to a point when I last left my last job before I got here, they even went to a a, 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 a protocol where we hired we interviewed our boss so we were we were all middle-level managers right over all these different things right A
2: mock interview uh, it,
0: or- it, it, basically they brought her in and she was going to be the director of our department and, oh. all, and all the team leaders interviewed her that's interesting and then we reported uh, to the big dude, who you wanted to to the big boss, and give me your feedback. That's really that's
2: I like that. That's an interesting way of doing it. Right. All right, we are going to go right? live
3: to Berea now with Jason Lloyd, who was at Ken Dorsey's press conference. Obviously, we were reacting to just tweets before we bring in Jason. A quick reminder that FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and there is no better place to win on Super Bowl Sunday than with FanDuel. It's about getting the best seats on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, placing some super bets, and watching the Super Bowl with some super friends. And FanDuel has a bunch of different ways to help you end the season with a W or 2 or 3 or hopefully even more. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for... Which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. And today, new customers get two hundred dollars in bonus bets if their first bet of five dollars or more wins. So just visit fanduel.com/slash UCSS to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook sponsor of the NFL. And let's bring it.